2: It is uh, Thursday, and uh, we are ready to go. (laughs) Oh, man, I woke up this morning um, in a mood. I woke up in a mood this morning. Uh, I'm uh, just kind of, I don't know, I'm slightly, uh, I woke up a little agitated and uh, a little grumpy and i uh then looked at all the headlines and i've got grumpier and so i'm trying to figure out how to try to figure out how to make all this stuff uh happy and entertaining and everything else and i just a little i'm a little i'm a little cranky this morning about a lot of stuff that's going on a little frustrated i think you know i'm channeling the frustration that i talked about yesterday yesterday we talked a lot about You know, how many people are frustrated uh, with the pace of change or, you know, trying to fix things and everything else. And it's just, uh, well, it's not working. It's just, you know, we just feel like you're smashing your head against the wall. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of there. I'm kind of there today. I don't know why. Usually I'm a little more positive, but uh, this morning I just I want to chew some choose some nails and stuff, and I don't know stuff and things. Anyway, <clears throat> fair warning for today. Um, I uh, also I d- ended up not I was trying to get some guests on to talk about uh, a few different topics. Um, some of the Alaskan authors I'm trying to get a <clears throat> trying to get a handle on some Alaskan authors who are writing mostly not uh, mostly fiction um uh you know things about alaska just something uh, i mean just some interesting things you know i just want to i want to i want to hear from some alaskan creators and makers and uh you know folks who are out there uh, um telling stories and doing things like that hold on yeah i've got a frog little phlegm little phlegm this morning um So uh, but that hasn't worked out and I'm working on also um, working on some sustainable or excuse me, uh, working on food sustainability and food security, trying to get a guest on to discuss that uh, as well. So that's uh, that's something I've been working on. I'm actually trying to there's a there's a report that came out that the governor created a food security and sustainability task force last year and they put out a big report in february which we have not gone over here on the program and i started going over it yesterday i started looking at the uh, started looking at the uh, the report and the plans and everything else and i'm like oh this is this is some deep stuff. And so I started reaching out to some of the different authors and people who were um, who were involved with it. And they, they all pointed me back to the department of the DCCED, the department of. God, it's so early anyway. Um, bottom, you know, To long story short. Um, nobody wanted to talk about it directly, and so they pointed me to the state office that commissioned the report, and so then I put the word in, and I'm waiting on word back as to who may want to come on and talk with us about it sometime next week. So, anyway, I was working to try and get some folks on today to talk about some different things, and, uh, no joy in Mudville. So, uh, it's you and me today. Uh, which when I'm cranky, it's never a good idea to, to, to let me just have the microphone for two hours, uh, because I uh, ranty, I might get a little ranty about things. Um, anyway, uh, so I've got some headlines that I want to cover, uh, and then I am going to open up the phone lines and, uh, we'll take some calls from you. Hopefully you will Help steer me back from the ledge or whatever, and you know, pull us back from the abyss where I just won't get all angry. I don't like angry radio. Um, I mean, there's you know, hey, everybody loves a good rant now and then. Don't, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you got to be, you know, you're a little passionate about something or anything else, but it's one thing that I always, even in some of the national hosts, I mean, hosts that I, um, that I respect, uh, and maybe and i'm I mean, I may admire them a little bit, but sometimes when you're angry all the time, um, it just kind of blunts the it kind of blunts the point of what you're doing because I think that first of all, anger can't be sustained forever. um, and I think also, I mean, this is my personal feeling, but when I really get worked up about something, it is be you know it's it's. I think it's more impactful um, when you can show, you know, we could be passionate about things and really believe in things and everything else. But when we get angry, it just takes it to that next level, and that's not a level that you can sustain for a long time, and it diminishes the impact to the listenership. I think if you're just at a constant level of rant. I guess if you're at a if you're at full on rant all the time, full on anger all the time, um, it diminishes the impact on on the folks that you're talking to. So that's that's. um, Yeah, there's a that's a that's a thing. Uh, And as much as I admire, like I said, some of these uh, show uh, talk show hosts, the big national ones, um, you know, I was thinking Savage and Levin for two who just seem angry all the time. Um, I can't listen to that because one, <clears throat> it stirs me up to feeling not so great about everything and two, it's exhausting, just freaking exhausting. So we'll see what, uh, we'll see what happens here. Um, so I, I'm going to try and, uh, I'm going to try and maintain my cool, uh, throughout this morning and, um. Uh, it, it, I'm just I think part of it is that I'm just kind of sick of the whole the dog and pony show, you know, the the and like we were talking about yesterday, the Kabuki theater that we're seeing in the Senate. I'm just kind of I'm just kind of over it. I'm done. We're seeing a lot of this kind of stuff. The manipulation behind the scenes, um, the the, you know, playing um, playing with the lives of Alaskans. Uh, in the taking of the PFD, uh, because our overlords and masters have decided that somehow some way they have been they have been blessed by God with the with the omnipotent knowledge and power of how to spend that money better than the citizenry. I mean, that's kind of, but in my head, those are the voices that are going on in my head. What I'm watching and reading and listening to these people talk—that's all I can think of—is that they are, oh, by divine creed, we have been designated as your overlords, and we know better than you how we should spend your money. It's hard being me—all those voices in my head. Um. Anyway, so uh, it's uh. It's a, it's a hot, 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 hot mess out there right now. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff to, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to, to kind of go over and talk about. And I guess we, I guess, I guess we should, uh, um, I guess we should, uh, get on board and get, get with it, get with it. All right. So, um, where do we start? Um, All right. Let's uh, let's let's start over here with the uh, Alaska Pension Fund. And I want to I'm going to give some credit to um, to one of the people that I normally chastise and lambast at every opportunity. Um, There's a bill. There's an article in the Alaska Beacon going over SB 88, which is the new defined benefits bill. That um, has been, uh, you know, being floated in the system right now by State Senator Kathy Geisel, and um, <clears throat> the the article talks about that the uh, bill, while it's facing some some deep deep investigative scrutiny this session, won't make it to won't. It's not gonna. It's not gonna pass this year. That pretty much uh, just not not going to pass because there's just not enough time. Um, they said uh, the bipartisan Senate majority said at the beginning of this session that it was one of their two priorities, right? They wanted the they wanted the uh, uh, BSA increase and they wanted it to find better. Those are like their two big things. Well, they only got one of the two because there's only two weeks left in the session. And now they're finally hearing the bill in Senate finance. Gary Stevens, the Senate president, said the pension bill is now expected to become law no sooner than next year. And uh, it may not even become law next year. There's just no guarantee that this thing is going to have the horsepower to pass, especially when you've got one of the old guard members in there, Senator Bert Stedman. Yeah, you remember you. You remember Senator Burt, right? That was just BS. Yeah, that guy. Uh, Anyway. He said, and I'm quoting now from the story, uh, some of us haven't concluded that a complete change to the retirement system is the solution. Uh, this is, uh, said Senator Bert Stedman, one of the majority's leading skeptics. I mean, I think it's, <clears throat> it's interesting to see that Stedman at least understands the dangers of opening up the uh, retirement system and and you know James Brooks has been doing some good writing over at the Alaska Beacon. I mean I you know I've chastised him a few times, but I had always said that he is one of the better <clears throat> one of the better or best journalists down in Juneau. I just wish that he would. I just wish that he would go a bit deeper in on the opposing sides of things, but uh, again credit where credits due. James Brooks at least mentions a couple of the different things. He talks about the actuarial. The one thing he doesn't talk about in here, which I find interesting, is that there's no talk of cost for what the new defined benefit bill costs, and there is no talk of the fact that we still owe almost $7 billion to the previous retirement system, that we're still in the hole from the retirement system that we stopped what, 17, 16, 17 years ago? There's no mention of that, which, uh, again, I think if you were going to look at a bill, especially a bill that has the potential... He does mention that the... um, That the Alaska Constitution, here's what he says, several members of the committee noted that their decision has high stakes. The Alaska Constitution guarantees pension benefits pledged under law and failing to properly analyze the legislation could leave the state stuck with a high price tag. I agree. And that's that is one of the major dangers of this, because once it's passed, it's done. You can't. It's done. You're on the hook for whatever you just said forever. So <clears throat> anyway, um, this, this bill goes on and on. And, um, Stedman's Stedman, it was basically constantly asking some questions about what's going on. Um, he, um, uh, Kathy Giesel, you got to love Kathy Giesel, right? Well, you don't have to love her, but Kathy Giesel, uh from Anchorage and the bill's lead sponsor pointed to a front page article from the Anchorage Daily News when talking about the need for the proposal. Oh, the news is reporting about it. So we must absolutely have to have it. She was talking about the office. There was a story about the Office of Public Advocacy no longer being able to provide guardians for disabled and handicapped Alaskans. I mean, it. it... <clears throat> anyway, I, I'm. Um, Anyway, Bert Stedman was asking a lot of pointed questions. At times during Tuesday's hearing, Stedman interrupted testimony with pointed questions about facts, figures, and how the bill would function. Which, yes, yes, absolutely. You need no discussion in here, no topic talking in here about uh, some of the stuff from the folks from Reason Magazine when they came in and testified against this and everything. Stedman's questioning call uh, caused uh, Sen- uh, Senator uh, Donnie Olson... Uh, From Golovin and the meeting's chairman to note that the meeting was getting kind of prickly. (laughs) The pointed questions to the sponsor and others, making the meeting kind of prickly. It should be prickly. You should be asking those hard questions. Uh, For the love of God, people, you should be asking those hard questions. Of that, there is no doubt. All right. still got a couple more stories to go over and then we'll open up the phone lines at some point here so stay tuned for that it's uh, it's, it's moody it's moody Thursday, moody we're going to be back the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base. Free Thinking Radio
0: regularly heard on American radio Mike, Mike Michael, Michael DuGio
2: <laughs> Hi How are you <laughs> No one loves the weasel. The weasel. What the what the what? Um, mm, I'm sorry, somebody just said. Jen Robbins page has got a full, um, um uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm trying to think this whole bill, which I haven't, this is my next story. Um, this is their next story. I'm just looking at, um, uh, which is about the passage of this, the, uh, uh, HB 61. Um, Could either protect our rights or harm our liberties. Um, The proposal to prevent gun stores from being shut down actually does the opposite. The legislation would give the government power to shut down stores along with other stores and businesses. Um, um, uh, All commerce relating to firearms, this is unacceptable. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm just looking through this um um now is the time to let your voice be heard please send us money okay i'm sorry i was just going through this whole thing um wow okay i'm yeah i'm just trying to figure out what uh what the story is here, <clears throat> David Eastman voted no on a Second Amendment bill. He's just convinced that it's uh, he's convinced that it's actually actually the opposite of what was written in the bill. But, you know. Um, OK, I need a link to the food security report you mentioned, uh, Mr. Dukes. I'll pull the link out when I, uh, I it's. On my other computer, Jen or uh, uh, Jerrica, I've, I've got a – it's – I looked at it yesterday when I was at my office in Anchorage and it's sitting on my computer there and I don't have the link right here. So I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Okay. Um. So anyway, I went out to Jen Robbins' page and I took a look at that and I was – you know, this is just <clears> – <throat> My God, I need a drink. It's 6 25 in the morning, and I'm I'm just the agitation is so high right now. Um but I'll get you that link, Jerica, here in the next couple of days. Okay. Um uh, I think we're all feeling disgusted, disappointed, and angry about the session. You know, it's it's not even just I expected this session to be a total shit show, okay? I mean, I totally expected that. I totally expected it, but I just think it's a culmination of things, of watching stuff that's going on, of reading the national news stories about will be I mean, this debt ceiling crisis and some other stuff, you know, coupled with the fact that we've got people in Juno that just are just bound and determined to spend your money, um, you know, to spend your money in better ways and more intelligent ways than you have and all this other kind of stuff. It is just it it. Yes, I'm disappointed, angry, disgusted. I feel all those things, but at the same time, I'm just—you know—it makes me want to. It makes me want to go live in a cabin in the woods somewhere. You know, pull the road in after me so that nobody can come up and find me. That's what it makes me feel like sometimes. Just a little, just a—I'm just feeling that little level of agitation, just a little bit. That's what it's about right now. Um. Anyway, so we're gonna we're gonna get into some of these other stories, and we'll see uh, we'll see we'll see how we do, and then we'll open up the phone lines, and maybe you guys can sound off and tell me what's going on as well. Let's get back to it, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay. Look <laughs> Oh sorry. Let me let me let me walk you through a few of these things here that I'm thinking today. Let me walk you through what I'm thinking today. Alright, so there's a story in Must Read Alaska. And the story um, The story says helpful Soldatna librarians post controversial book recommendations inside bathroom stall doors. OK, so we got that. Um, and it's a story about inside the stall doors at the ba- at the uh, Soldatna Public Library, inside the bathroom, the, the cubicles, right, the stalls. There are uh, posters taped to the inside of the doors that basically say tough topics. And it lists a bunch of tough tough topics that – and it gives the Dewey De- – is it the Dewey Decimal System, right? That's the library – whatever the library code number is. Dewey Decimal, right? Anyway, it says tough topics, and it gives a list of different titles and – are different subjects. And the subjects are abuse slash rape, addiction slash drugs, death – Uh, Depression-slash-anxiety, divorce, eating disorders, uh, emotion-slash-self-esteem, health-slash-sex, LGBTQA+, pregnancy, puberty, relationships, self-harm-slash-suicide. Those are the topics that, you know, that are there. And they're basically saying the titles can be found in the nonfiction section for both juveniles and adults. The story goes on to talk about how the inside of the bathroom stalls have posted some helpful books, blah, blah, blah. The the, the list doesn't include where to find the books on historical fiction, how to or adventure nonfiction or where to find books that perhaps people don't want to ask librarians about, which what the wh- this whole OK, this whole list. So I agree with Suzanne Downing on so many things, but I read this and I was like, what are you talking about? This whole list is things that people don't want to ask librarians about. All of those, that's all the stuff that people are too embarrassed, you know, eating disorders, uh, you know, puberty Uh, Self-harm and suicide. I mean, these are all things that people don't want to go up to some librarian at a reference desk and start asking questions about. This is, to me, this is part and parcel of kind of the overreaction problem that we see in the country today. I don't have a problem. Now, first of all, I don't have a problem with school libraries because I didn't send my kids to any of the schools. And when I went to the libraries with my kids, we went in together or my wife went in with them. Sometimes they would go in alone when they were older, but for the most part, we went in together. This was not a big deal. You know, that they weren't checking out. Timmy has two mommies at the library with us standing right there. This wasn't, you know, a huge deal. The The whole the whole article goes on to talk about how this apparently is some kind of conspiracy from the school library journals where they're they're becoming, you know, they're becoming uh, radical agents for change in society instead of just neutral agents. And how, you know, how librarians can advance the United Nations sustainability agenda and all that, which I'm sure that there are some that can do that. And I'm sure that there are that are. This is just, again, This is part of what this is part of what amped up my agitation this morning, because there are problems with some of the books in this in the library, specifically the school libraries. I quite honestly am not mad about some of those books, even though I wouldn't let my children read them being in a regular library, because generally speaking. You are with your kids at the regular library in a school library. They can go there on their own, and you don't know anything. You know, and again, maybe it's just because I didn't take my kids, I didn't put my kids in school, I didn't do it. But it's just, it's, it's again, it's this overreaction, and everything becomes a conspiracy, and everything is what they're all out to kill us and get us and do all this stuff, and 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 this just you know books that people don't want to you know where to find books that people don't want to ask librarians about. Nobody is going up and going to the librarian and say, I'd like the book about abuse and rape. I'd like the book about addiction and drugs. I'd like the book about divorce. I'd like the book about self-harm and suicide. I'd like the book about, I mean, all of these things, I don't see this as being a bad thing. I really don't in a public library. Tough topics that you may not want to go ask somebody about. You may want to go peruse yourself. Now, if parents are using the library as a babysitter and they're just dumping their kids off and say, "I got to go smoke a pack of camels or whatever and you guys just hang out here and go read whatever you want," well, that's a problem. It, I mean, sure. They could go read all kinds of stuff. I mean, they could they could go read You know, Lolita or, you know, Joy of Flying or whatever. You know, they could go read all kinds of adult stuff in there because it's a library. It's not a school library. It's a regular library. Now, granted, I don't want any of those, you know, kind of illicit, you know, evocative books In a school library where they can go unsupervised and do whatever, especially talking about sensitive topics like sexuality and things like that, that should be something that we deal with at home. But a public, they're going to chastise. This is the problem. We start fighting on an issue and we go full retard on it. Sorry, that's a. That's a reference to the movie Tropic Thunder. I know it's not politically correct to use that, but that's the, that's the problem. We're, we're fighting on an issue over here in the public school libraries, and all of a sudden now it's all libraries. And we, and, and it's all a big thing, and it's a deal. and a... No. No, it's not. This is only a problem if you are not parenting your children. And maybe there's a wife who's been dealing with a lot of these things. Maybe it's abuse and rape. Or maybe it's a man who's struggling with addiction and drugs and is trying to find ways to get some help. Or maybe it's somebody who wants a divorce from their spouse. They're in some kind of abusive relationship and they want to learn more about the divorce aspect of it. Or maybe they do have bulimia or something and they want to read on a reading you know uh, eating disorders. I mean, these are all things that are in there and you're too embarrassed because you walk up to your local neighbor librarian and you'd like, you, I mean, like, like to read books on uh, uh, drugs and addiction or maybe suicide and self-harm. These are all topics that many people would be embarrassed to go up and talk to a librarian about. What is wrong? I mean, the, the, the level of ratcheting paranoia that happens on some of these things is astonishing. Is there a problem in public school libraries? Absolutely. And I would not want my children reading some of the books that they're talking about because I've read. I cannot read the text of some of the books that are in the school libraries on the radio because the FCC would come down and slap the stations with a fine. Right. That's not. a. I mean, that's. That's obviously not a good thing. But we're talking about a public library. This, to me, is much ado about nothing, and we're wasting our effort and wasting, you know, outrage on this kind of stuff. But that's the thing. We almost love to be outraged. I mean, I was talking about Levin and Savage and some of these other guys who are just there outraged every day at every minute of every we used to joke. Uh when I worked <clears throat> at this uh at another station in uh in Anchorage, um uh, when I did my talk radio show there uh in the mornings, um I we used to joke uh with uh, with the general manager, he and I were sitting there and we would listen, because Mark Levin played on our stations, and we used to joke about I we'd bring on our phones and we'd set the timers And it would start the Mark Levin show, and we'd be like, we'd we'd take bets on how long it would take for him to start screaming. Minute 90, you know, minute 19 seconds. Uh, Two minutes. Uh, minute. Usually within three minutes, Mark Levin would get a good head of steam up and start screaming. We're wasting our outrage on things that I think it's not that it's not important to pay attention to what's going on, but this is a public library. There will be plenty of books that you don't agree with in a public library, but it's supposed to be a marketplace of ideas. You're supposed to be able to. And if you just throw your kids into the public library and drive away, yeah, they may read something that you don't agree with that, but that's on you at the school library. That's a whole different thing. They can go in there on their own. So I saw this story and I'm just like, yeah, this, I mean, I don't see this being a big deal until I started to read down into it. And it's some kind of radical conspiracy to get all this (sighs) stuff. No, no, it's not. Yes. There may be teachers out there or excuse me, librarians out there who are, you know, social warriors. There may be ones out there who want to put, You know, diversity, sustainability, economic, social justice, whatever. I'm sure there's those people in every and probably more so in, you know, kind of the librarian world than any than than the average slice of Americana. But there are plenty of librarians who are not. My aunt was a librarian for years. Plenty of librarians who are not. And. I just. I just get tired of people stretching outrage over one subject in blurring the lines into other or expanding it beyond where it really needs to go. Stop diffusing the, the, the focus of what we're talking about here. Now, maybe I'm wrong because I took an interest in my kids and was with them everywhere and we always we did things together. Maybe I'm wrong because my whole viewpoint is colored by that and I didn't send them to public school. Maybe my viewpoint's all for you. But you know what? For me, I'm right. For my kids, I'm right. If you're going to do something different, maybe this is a problem. You're just going to park them at the public library. Maybe that's a problem. I'll be honest with you. I was a, when I was a kid, I would go to the public library sometimes after school and wait for my mom because she had other things going on and everything like that. I read all kinds of books. I read all kinds of books. I mean, probably some that I shouldn't have. But it, I mean, it didn't hurt me. I mean, it wasn't, I'm not talking about any, anyway. I mean, I read all kinds of, you know, adult fiction and histories and, and I mean, just all kinds of stuff. Anyway, I'm, I'm, this is just irritating to me. This whole thing. We've got, we went too far into, full retard. I mean, it's just, it's just astonishing. These are topics that people would be very embarrassed to talk about if it's going on in their lives. I think this is a great idea. I really do. Because people who are Subject to abuse or rape or addicted to drugs or depressed or anxious or trying to get a divorce or trying to find out about divorce because something's going on or have an eating disorder or have self-esteem issues or, you know, maybe even going through pregnancy or or thinking about self-harm or suicide. If you can give them a cheat sheet as to where to go and look it up for themselves, so be it. All right i'm wow i'm trying to trying to tone it down we're going to be back the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio we'll return with more here in just a moment and uh maybe we'll well we'll open the phone lines here soon back with more right after this
0: Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. (laughs) Ha, nice beard. The Michael
2: Duke Show. Okay, that entire time I was not looking at the chat room because I just wasn't looking at the chat room. Where am I? Let me see. Don't go full Les Grossman. Um, I'm sorry, I'm scrolling backwards here. Okay. Um. Uh, Kenneth says I'm just getting pissed because it's becoming apparent the majority of Alaskans support what the legislature is doing. That's not necessarily true, Kenneth. It would look that way in many ways, but it's not necessarily true. But you're right. I got a little mad after the whole pink tinkle thing because it became more and more, you know, that are that are, uh, it's becoming more and more apparent that we're not a red state. Like we thought we were like many of us thought we were. Okay. Uh, Jerrica says most books about death are actually really good books. I read one in middle school that really helped me cope with losing my brother. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jerica, But yeah, there's books on all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, um, okay. Would you Jerrica, just to make things easier, if you send me an email, uh, you're saying about Rochelle the Matsu Farm Co-op? Would you, uh, if you would email me her name again, I will reply to you with a link to the, um, with a link to the report. Okay. Um, I'd like a book about God. Sad Brill. There you go. Um. Public libraries should be regulated. I understand school libraries that are accessed by children only, but public, public libraries should be a free thinker facility. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Um, um Anyone reading four, Fahrenheit 451? Read Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit 451 many, many years ago. Um. Many of the problems we're facing are a result of lack of parenting and too many parents allowing activists pretending to be school officials and teachers. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, uh, I don't care what's in the public libraries. I do care that there are books in schools about rape, sex promoting transgender, how to perform the acts. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that the school libraries are something that I'm concerned about. The regular public libraries... I'm not concerned about, I'm not concerned about that. Um, um, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going through here. Deep breath. Uh, pretty much the best <laughs> Jeannie's telling me to take a deep breath. Um, you're not wrong at all. It's ridiculous to leave your kids in the hands of crazies, not being active in their school or community, then get mad at the stupidity going on. Yeah, Greg says, I see this list as a good idea, the list in the bathroom idea. Yes. I mean, again, I don't see – it just became, again, this full-on, oh, you can't – it's outrage for outrage's sake. It's just crazy. Um, I'm just looking for the book to serve man. It's hard to find. Uh <laughs> um, Oh, man. Uh, leaving your kids in public school is like marinating a good ribeye steak and dog piss and then acting surprised that it doesn't taste like mesquite once you cooked it. <laughs> Stephen Shock says, I agree, Mike. It's the public library. It's a whole different story than in a school library. Yes. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Yes. Oh, Chris, thank you for that light, that ray of sunshine. It is May the 4th. So may the 4th be with you. I forgot, totally forgot. That actually that actually brings me some happiness. May the 4th be with you. Star Wars Day. All right. So I'm all caught up. And you guys are all, I figured that there'd be a bunch of people that were trying to call me out for how dare I. How dare I disagree with, I don't know, must read or whoever. Um, I just think that the, I just think that this is I, the, the, the one line that gets me. The list doesn't include where to find books on historical fiction, how to or adventure nonfiction. Well, sure, because those are all things that people are not embarrassed to come ask questions about. The list includes where to find books that perhaps people don't want to ask librarians. Yes, Exactly. That's the whole point. Some of this stuff is very embarrassing for people. Why? I mean, they don't, you know, they don't. <laughs> I just don't see the outrage. I just don't see the point of the outrage on this. All right. I'm 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 done with this topic. I'm done with this topic. That's fine. We're going to move on. I'm going to move on. Um They already removed Anthony's comment? Which one? The one about the marinating the steak? That's funny. Uh because I could still see it. Well, because I'm looking at an amalgamated chat. That's probably why. But which which is that what is that the one that they removed? Did they remove it already? Because that's disturbing if that's the case all right here we go the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio let's do it
0: public enema number 1 oh wait sorry uh enemy public enemy number 1 which uh, makes more sense on the other hand he's a little bit of a pain in the uh michael duke show
2: So surprisingly, the um, folks in the chat room, I thought that there'd be more outrage with me for saying the things that I said, but they're, they're mostly in agreement with it, which I, I, I found refreshing because I thought I was going out on a limb here chastising the outrage over something like that. Uh, anyway, it's it's good. Uh, it's good. I appreciate you guys coming in and uh, listening. The Michael Duke Show continues. Uh what other stories we got here? We talked about the pension, we talked about that. Uh we talked about uh, let's talk about parental rights. And then in hour 2 we'll open it up about uh HB 61 which was the what was the title of the what was the title of the uh bill? Basically, it was the bill about um preventing uh preventing Second Amendment uh, gun stores and things like that from being shut down during emergencies. And it's about it's it was about equity and commerce is the phrase that was being thrown around. So it's uh, we'll talk about that here probably after the top of the hour but let me go back over here to the parental rights bill HB105 and kenneth i kenneth uh, in the chat room made a comment earlier saying that maybe i was angry because you know i'm coming to realize that most people support the legislative you know agenda blah blah and i don't you know i and I didn't mean to blah 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 there Ken I'm sorry that's but I don't think that that necessarily is it and I don't think sometimes that people are as accepting of the legislators legislature's agenda as we are told because um what you're seeing is seen through the lens of the news media which is very much pro Legis, you know the, the the legislators' slant. There's not they're not doing a whole lot of, you know, breaking down into the numbers. Now David Boyle over at Must Read wrote an article uh, here a few days ago talking about HB 105, and he actually went through all. He got the public records and he went through all the testimony, written and uh, oral testimony, on the bill, and he showed that even then. The bill had, uh, it wasn't overwhelming support, uh, from, uh, from folks, but it had more support. It had the majority of support. So now he's updated the, the, um, the, uh, he has updated the bill or updated the, rather, the numbers for who are the supporters and who are the opponents of the bill. So as of right now, the, um, number of supporters of the bill who support parental rights is 810 testifiers the opposing side is 573 so we've got a you know 250 new people who are more in support of it than against it so about a you know it's about 50% more support it than than are against it uh or 30% more i guess um So that's that's great. That's great. It shows that maybe while they couldn't get through on the oral testimony and everything else, they could get through on the written side and get their thoughts heard and good. Now, I will say that I believe personally that written testimony has less of an impact than oral testimony simply because there's psychological reasons, but I always felt more compelled especially when I was serving on an assembly I was more compelled by people who came in now it was easier for people to come in to for example when I worked on the assembly to come in and see us there directly now going to juno getting through on the phone lines that's a russian roulette i mean you may or may not get on you may spend hours you may not be able they may pack the phone lines with and that's what happened with a lot of them there was a lot of uh, group and uh, special interest that got on the phone and did things like that, and they jammed the phone lines. So I would think that the written testimony would would I think would have give you a little bit of a better idea of actually what the support is in the state. So anyway, thank you to David Boyle, uh, who's also a listener to the show, by the way, but he writes for Must Read, and he put this out there. So thank you. That's that's great. Um, we've talked about HB 105. I don't want to go. I don't have enough time to go through all the details of it. But basically, it's parental rights. Right. Uh, it goes through. Now, he did pull out some excerpts from both those who are supporting and those who are opposing the bill. And um, I thought this was very interesting because it. um because it really shows how that classic divide, that divisiveness, that, you know, the, 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 almost the polarization is almost complete. Um, so here is, uh, uh, here are some of the things that people said in support of the parental education bill. These are quotes. I have a tremendous concern and fear for my son and his education process. The system is making a choice to sever the relationship between educator and parent. I am my son's mother, no one else. I'm not wrong. To pose that school is more safe than my home is similarly untrue and offensive. I love my children more than you do. Full stop. <laughs> Again, no. not That's exactly what's the setting up here. As an educator, I'm embarrassed by some of the testimonies of teachers I have heard. As a parent, I am mortified that these educators believe my parental abilities are not adequate to teach my own children values, morals, and character. So those are people who are in support of HB 105. Then we swing over onto the opposite side of the fence. And this gives you a look into the mindset of people who are opposed to you. This is why you should be reading from all sides, folks. This is why you should be reading from all sides of the fence, even news media outlets and things that you disagree with, because it gives you insight into what they're thinking. Here's a snapshot into the mind of madness. You ready? Parents have the right to education of their children, but that does not but that does not trump the rights of the children themselves. Um, yes. Yes. Yes, it does. My children are not full-grown adults. They do not have the rights of full adults because they do not have the life experience to be able to make proper decisions as full adults. Should we just let them smoke and drive when they're eight years old? Parents may want to limit and control the information that is available to their children, but this is not always in their best interest. Um... I can't even comment on that one. HB 105 would empower bigoted, uninformed parents to litigate against schools and school districts simply for doing what's best for their students. So, So we're bigots and we're stupid. That's what they bigoted, uninformed parents. Simply for doing what's best for their students. You mean my children. Simply for doing what's best for might, even though you disagree. Oh, my God. If you do not pull your kids out of school right now after hearing that comment alone, you, you are willing to sacrifice your children on the altar of expediency and ease and career and whatever. Just quit telling me that you care about your kids if you're going to leave them in when there are people like that in there saying, well, you know, just empowered, ambiguous. you're bigoted, you're stupid, and you're. You know, we're simply doing what's best for their students, meaning our students, meaning your kids. You are intentionally letting parents supersede their own children's agency and identity to an attempt to provide parental rights. Children's agency has been limited and will always be limited because again they don't have the life experiences to do that and finally i oppose hb 105 and the disgusting culture warrior bigotry it represents and enables and you should too shame on any excremental excuse for a human who does did you just call us you did you just you did why you would send your kids to the public school system after reading some of this stuff. By the way, more teachers supported it than opposed it. 34 teachers. Why you would send your kids to these institutions to just have them roasted over the fire of the culture war, I have no idea. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio, Hour 2, Dead Ahead. Did you see how this didn't help my frame of mind this morning as I got up already agitated and then I read all that stuff? I mean, <laughs> I mean, um, wow. Just wow. Uh All right, I'm I'm scrolling backwards here. People are just looking for things to feign outrage over. I think I think you're right about that, Richard. I think that there are some people that just that that they become, you know, that that's become their religion or their exercise. They just want to be outraged about something on both sides of the aisle. This is not strictly you know, progressives being outraged about, you know, lack of diversity. or I mean, there, this is a prime example of being outraged over something that I think is a good idea and, and really has nothing to do with the original intent. Jerica says, just because someone is embarrassed doesn't mean they shouldn't have access to materials that help them learn about it. Absolutely. Tomorrow's Cinco de Mayo. Yes, it is. Um, I'm outraged at everything, says Jim. Yes. Yes. If you've ever been to Cinco de Mayo in Mexico, you will be surely disappointed. Yeah, because it's an American holiday. It's not really a Mexican holiday. Um, Anyone ever read and understand the amendment about free expression? Lots of things are out there that I don't agree with, but I'm one of many, many ideas. I'm one of many, and many ideas are much better than mine. Absolutely. That's, again, the answer to speech that you don't agree with is more speech. You should not be curtailing speech. Now, in the case of the schools and the school libraries and stuff like that, that's a parental issue, and you can expose them to those, you know, alternate ideas or ideas that are in opposition to your own at your own pace because they are kids and they're. There's a point. But put you could put all this stuff in a regular library. I got no problem with that. I really don't. And I know some of you would be like, what? If you want to put the Timmy has two mommies or the thing or whatever, I'm just using that as a title example. I don't even know if there's a real book like that. But if you want to put all these books that I can't read from on the air, you want to put them in a public library, regular public library? Okay. I think it's when they're captive in that school library and they can go without the parental influence and supervision and things like that. That's what I'm talking about. Um, Yes, Richard says where it goes wrong is when morons can't grasp that you are a free thinking human being with a right to your own opinions. Basically saying, we can't agree to disagree. And when they find out you don't agree with them, they hyperventilate into a bag and go on the attack. That's the problem. We've lost the ability for rational, reasonable discourse in this country. Discourse, discussion, things where we can debate and argue back and forth while still being cordial, while still not wanting. I mean, again, you're right. People say, oh, I want to burn your house down. I mean, I've had death threats on this show, okay, from from espousing an opinion and then people sending me messages like, well, I'm, I'm hoping that your family is all going to die because of the things you said. Wh- who does that? Did my wor- my words hurt you somehow? My words were more than you could take, and now you wish death on my family. <laughs> what um uh debate in high school taught me to look at issues from the other side before forming an educated opinion to argue. I, I would say same thing. I took debate, I took debate and forensics they called it uh public speaking in a, in a humorous interpretation I did all that kind of stuff um. Wait, uh, par- Wait, parents must control the timeliness of education principles. Maturity is a thing. Yes. Uh, bigoted and uninformed, says David. Yeah, we're basically bigoted and stupid. We're bigots and we're stupid. And we're human excrement because we supported it. That was the other thing. Um, all right. Pull- okay, two hours. You can't get back. Um, I'm just going through, put an end to this nonsense and pull your kids out of these cesspools. Those wackadoodles are supposed to be there to teach the children fundamentals like reading, writing, math, science, life skills. They've lost focus. Oh, it's all, again, it's all become a social experiment. That's the thing. Yep. Um, okay. Um. All right. David Boyle is... In the chat room talking about that i'm gonna open up the phone lines here in just a minute and david you can call and comment about that uh if you want timothy says i did not have two mommies do not have two mommies um all right i guess that's it i'm at the bottom i'm at the i'm at the end i've reached the end my friend end of the comments and we're coming up on hour two I still want to talk about HB61, but we're going to open up the phone lines first, see what you guys have to say. I don't want to get too more ranty. I just don't want to do it. Here we go. The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense Radio.
0: the Michael Dukes show streaming live across the
2: world. Yep, across the world on the internet at michaeldukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on your favorite radio station and or FM translator. The Thursday edition of the Michael Dukes show kicks off hour 2, ready to go and do our thing. I'm in a mood today. Again, fair warning if you're just joining us, I was a little grumpy today and I've tried to contain it as much as I could, but there's a lot of stupidity going on out there. And I'm calling out the stupidity today. That's just that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, But I do have one more story that I want to get to. We're going to talk about HB61 and some of the nonsense that's going on around that. We may actually bridge that over into Firearms Friday tomorrow because it deals with firearms. But because I've been promising it, uh, I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines uh, right now. If you want to give us a call, 907-433-3150. Uh, 907-433-3150, which is a good time to remind you that this program is brought to you each and every day by your friends at Satellite West. You could find them at SatelliteWest.com. And uh, from Shaktulik to Shishmaref, I mean, wherever you want to go in the state of Alaska, they will keep you connected, whether it's with, uh, you know, text messaging or emails or whatever. They're the ones that are going to keep you in the know and informed and connected to the rest of the world. Uh, and they've got a huge local network of dealers uh, to, uh, to choose from, uh, including Communications North and Seward. Um, you can go find a full list over at uh, uh, SatelliteWest.com, SatelliteWest.com. Dot com. You can go over there and, uh, and, and, you know, tell these dealers thank you for helping to sponsor the program. It's a good thing. Okay, so phone lines are open, and I already have one phone call up and running. Uh, so if you've been listening in the last hour, you know we've been talking about a bunch of things, including the whole library thing and the school parental rights thing as well. And uh, so feel free to sound off on that or anything else. Um and we'll we'll let you, we'll let you drive the bus a little bit in this hour. Let's go over to the phones right now and get started. Good morning, who's this? Where are you calling from?
3: Hey, good morning, Michael. It's David Boyle calling in. How are you today, you grumpy old man? That's
2: me, grumpy old man David Boyle. Thank you for coming on board. Now, David was the one that as I said earlier just published this article in must read talking about what did the public say about HB 105, the parental rights bill. So David, break this down for me. I mean, first of all, some of them comments. Oh my God. Uh, but break, break this whole thing down for me and give me your thoughts on it.
3: Well, Michael, first of all, I went through about 1400 emails. Some of them were duplicates, but not many. Um, just, you know, just to, to grade to say who supported the bill and who opposed the bill. And then I got to, and I've written another article before this, but this, so this updated it. And then I got to thinking, you know, you can write words and you can write words, but you need to capture the flavor of some of the comments that are in the documents under the bill, which I think most of us realize very few people go to those documents and when they do, they don't click on uh, maybe some of the written testimony. So, and and by the way, the, 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 um, Comments you see in here from testimonies from people supporting the bill and those opposing the bill, those are only in the last um, few days. I, I didn't even go back to the earlier ones, which some of them that opposed the bill they were just vile. And so I hopefully captured the flavor of the supporters that actually love their children and want the best education for them, including some educators. And then you look at the other side of the uh, of, of the issue, and boy, they they just about vile uh, uh, hatred, and and it's very offensive to, to read a lot of it. Some of it I, I didn't even want to put in there, and I didn't. But um, it goes to show you who's who's doing what to whom, um, and, and uh, add some humanity to the article as well. Yeah. Um, then you know, yeah.
2: No, I mean, I would. I'll be I'll be honest with you. It would be an interesting exercise to compile the commentary on both the the pro and the con side. I'm sure there were some angry people who testified in favor of the bill as well. Um, But, man, the vitriol in what you just wrote here, and you're saying this is just scratching the surface. I mean, from calling us basically bigoted and stupid or calling us human excrement uh, because we— you know, because we would support this. I mean, if that's the, if that's the milder side of the testimony, wow. I uh, just, wow. It's a, uh, it's a whole different thing.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. And, and, you know, like I said earlier, that uh, very few people know where to go and look at the documents and read this kind of stuff. So I've tried to uh, shine the light on on some of this testimony for those that that don't even know that they can go to the basis and find this type of uh, uh, let's say these statements. And there's one statement in there that I think you probably read. i, I apologize, I slept in this morning. Uh, if if it said what, well, what does it matter if the person using this stall next to you has a penis or a vagina? It's like having separate drinking water fountains for blacks and whites during the Jim Crow era, brother. So somebody pulled the race card on the issue as well. Which, right. Uh, it just astounded me. But but uh, so if if people want to read the article and there's a link in there to go back to those documents and see read some of the uh, other pros and cons of the uh, people that are supporting and opposing the uh, bill. Now apparently the uh, the teachers union allied itself with uh, Planned Parenthood in Alaska and came up with uh, a lot of uh, templates to send in, and as you can see up in the chart there. <clears throat> excuse me, there were 211 boilerplate emails. My way of thinking about boilerplate emails, the people didn't even read the bill. They just signed their name to a boilerplate email and sent it in, and that was well over 200 of those. So, you know, the the final score is unbelievable. So it's about 810 for to 362 opposed to the bill, which you will not see in the mainstream media in Alaska. They're actually saying that you know more people are opposed to this bill and than support it. right that's,
2: that's not the case. But even if you include the even if you include the boilerplate letters, the people who support it are still ahead. Uh, considerably 800 to about 600 yes,
3: considerably ahead. Now, I called in to testify uh, whenever the bill first was heard and uh, I waited online for three hours and 45 minutes and they finally got to me, and uh, for my two minutes, what I call freedom. Um, and, and what was interesting about that, the, the ver- oral testimony was uh, that the people against the bill had about 90% of the testimony, and those four, the remaining 10%. And you, you couldn't even get a line. The lines were all busy. You, they would drop you off the line. Um, so I think something, something was uh, crooked. Something was going on there about the phone lines. Maybe they know how to uh, manipulate the phone, line, phone lines and clog them up. I'm not sure, but that definitely was not representative. The oral testimony was not representative what the overall population thought regarding, uh, as shown by the uh, written testimony, which takes a lot more effort.
2: Right. Well, and and as I said, special interest rules the day on that. Special interest is very good at motivating people and getting things out and getting you know the group. The group think going uh, and doing those things. And this to me is just yet another reason why, you know, the legislative session needs to be on the road system because people could have driven down there and uh, and and done that. I mean, they could have driven down there and testified in person. That would have been much more impactful. Uh, but unfortunately, only the special interest can actually get into the room. And then, of course, you're stuck with the phone system. It's a it's a tough it's a it's a tough situation. But again, to me, reason number four hundred and twelve why we should have the legislative system on the legislative session rather on the road system.
3: Oh, oh you're spot on with that. Um, and, and as long as they have that uh, moat around Juno, most people will never be able to get to, to the uh, legislative building to testify in person. Right. And if you do fly down there to testify in person, guess what? They'll cancel the meeting, so you have to stay another night. That's happened to me before. <laughs> uh, the other thing is in in um, the other in the in the final debate on the bill in house education, representative Hemshoot from Sitka, she offered a a a, a killer amendment to the bill, which would basically increase the funding by another six million dollars, and that was to pay for <laughs> that was to pay for the tremendous administrative paperwork that school districts would have to do by. uh, uh, dealing with the opt-in portion of sex education versus the opt-out. It was gonna be a tremendous administrative burden according to uh, Representative Hemshoot. And um, to me that was probably, I think that'll be, well it's gonna have to be pulled out eventually as it goes through judiciary and uh, yeah well that's maybe even that's finance, the, although it's not even scheduled to go to finance
2: yeah i mean that's the poison pill right i mean that's the poison pill that you know they'll people can hang their hats on oh this would increase education we can't although they're screaming for education funding increases so maybe but yeah how dare you want to care about your children and can't you see how much this is going to cost if you do this uh meanwhile how many administrators how many administrators do we have per teacher in these schools i mean come on this is uh it's ridiculous
3: and, and then Representative McCormick from Bethel, the Democrat from Bethel, um, by the way, he prides himself on being the first Gen Z in the Alaska Legislature, which is quite an accomplishment. He ran unopposed, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> he, he was, he was, oh, he was angry. You could hear it in his voice, and that's hard to capture in writing, of course. But um, he said he staunchly opposed the bill and implied that this will lead to more suicides by. by uh, uh, students. Um, but the other good part was Mike Prax. He actually said what I think a lot of the people around the table and listening were thinking. He said fine, that parents have a moral responsibility to raise their children. They're a gift from God. Those parents have a moral responsibility. So yep. they have to have the right, even if they make mistakes, yeah. which
2: we all do make mistakes. Right? Yeah, so, no, absolutely. So um
3: goes to the Judiciary.
2: Go ahead. No, I mean, absolutely. We have the right. We have the responsibility, not just the right, but the responsibility to do so and to raise them. And we are going to make mistakes. And there are going to be parents out there that don't care. But you don't penalize all the parents that do care for the parents that don't. Uh, That's uh, you know, those are those are one off circumstances and you deal with it on a case by case basis. You don't just take control of all the children because of the possibility that a few will not get what they need. I mean, it's just it doesn't make any sense. Uh, David, I got to go. I got another call. Thank you for writing this article. Thank you for calling in and joining us this morning. I appreciate you being part of it. Thank you, Michael. Uh, let's go over here to this other call before we go to break. 907 433 3150. Good morning. Who's this?
4: Yeah, my name is Ken. I live in the Matsu Valley.
2: Hello, Ken. What's on your mind this morning? Good
4: morning. You know, uh, I tried to call you on your show yesterday, but the phone, something was wrong with the phone system, or you weren't taking calls, one of the two. I I actually want to just make a comment on something that was said yesterday uh, that relates. You had two great guests on there. I love Mike Showers. I'm in his district. And you guys, for a minute, were talking about deferred maintenance. You know, it's almost like uh, I I spend all day long listening to Senate hearings and House hearings, literally all day long. That's what I do. I listen to them right from the horse's mouth because I want to hear what these people are saying, you know, and – these carbon credits have just been a nightmare. We already have. You guys brought up such great points yesterday. Man, if, Steve, you, if everybody listening didn't hear that show, you need to go back and listen to that one from yesterday. The, the deferred maintenance of $10 billion. And this huge, why is Alaska always such a place where we have big boondoggle ideas at the cost of the taxpayer? It amazes me. And then we run around the state talking about how we can't pay a dividend. We can't afford all this stuff. We've got bigger government all the time. Last year alone, they put $16 billion in savings and ran around and told everyone they couldn't pay the dividend. It's amazing. The deferred maintenance thing is a big deal because they're currently trying to set up carbon credits in this state, House Bill 49, House Bill 50. And that's a big deal because it's going to hamper oil production, not increase it. It's gonna drive the cost of oil up, which is pretty much the golden goose here because that's our export, which is energy and minerals. We don't have bananas and coffee here uh, to, to export to the world. And they want to hamper the production of that stuff. How does that refer, how does that get back to deferred maintenance? Because all this carbon credit junk is hinged on the 45Q tax credit staying uh, viable. But if we have regime change, which is a federal tax credit, if we have regime change in Washington, maybe Trump gets back in office, maybe DeSantis wins, and they realize because the forty five Q tax credit from the government itself says it has a ninety percent fraud rate, if they kill that program, there's a bunch of more infrastructure we built on top of the existing ten billion dollars that we now have to maintain as the taxpayer. We want to build a gas line, which is awesome. I'm totally for the gas line, that'd be great, but why are we building a gas line to sell to Japan that won't be done till 2030? And Japan said by 2035 they're not going to use liquid natural gas anymore. It, it's an—it's almost as if no one's paying attention up there, you know.
2: Can <laughs> I just—I just got to ask—are you trying to troll me? You know that deferred maintenance is like one of my hot button, blow my eyes out of my skull issues uh because i just find it so offensive I'm, i mean, i'm not trying to troll you no no i know you're not it it's but you're right me too yeah you're right i mean yeah, I, me too. I i look at this and i find this to be a deferred maintenance is one of the most offensive things that governments do uh, because you built this you built all this infrastructure you promised the people that they needed the infrastructure and that you would take care of it and then you abdicated your responsibility and used the monies that you were supposed to use to upkeep and maintain these facilities, and you used it for some other pet project, and then you come back later and go, "Oh, hat in hand," and usually it is in some form of a bond or something to do stuff that should have already been done, and 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 you, it just gets away from you. It's a money ball that gets away from you. I mean, the Fairbanks North Star Borough has a quarter of a billion dollars in deferred maintenance. Quarter of a billion dollars. For a population of 90,000 or less. The state of Alaska with only 700,000 people, $10 billion in deferred maintenance. And uh, that's monies that have to be spent, folks. That's money that has to be found. That's facilities that have to be maintained. And that is outrageous. Can't hold the line for a second. Folks, we're... Up against the break. We got more coming up. We got a couple more lines on hold. We'll be back with more of The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Streaming live
0: every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: Uh, let me go back to Ken real quick. Ken, I'm going to let you finish your thought there. We were up against a break. I had to go. So let me let you finish your thought before I let you go.
4: No. Oh. Yeah, here, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is, I, I hope everybody understands how bad carbon credits are. The rest of the world that has tried this, it has obliterated their economy. Gas and fuel, electricity, have all doubled and tripled. That's not a, that's not uh, false data. You can look that up. These these ESG environmental, social, and governance principles are highly destructive to our economy here, especially since we're basically an oil province and. Look, my goal for Alaska has always been the same when it comes to politics. I'd like to stop being a federal enclave. I'd like to be an independent, emancipated state that can learn to stand on its own two feet. And and I'm not against green energy. I'm against green energy at the cost of the taxpayer. And this is clearly one of those ideas where they're, they're shifting liability. These companies like Exxon and so on that want to be ESG-driven, they're shifting liability over to the taxpayer because – Alaska has always been typically a cheap date and it bothers me in the face of having $10 billion of deferred maintenance, it's only going to go through the roof because I'm telling you that tax credit is going to change and it's not going to be there for very long. And all that's going to do is shift all that to the taxpayers. Really, it really frustrates me because I will pay for this twice, both with the 45 Q tax money, which is printed money. That's inflated money because you have to print it or take it from some guy in Montana to pay it or, an increased cost of energy and a lot of times both and that's just unacceptable. We need legislators in Juno. One, it should be on the road system. I am totally agree on that But we need legislators in Juno that have some sort of economic background so they can literally Look at this and understand this is simply not profitable if it was the private sector would already be doing it at their own liquidity Thanks
2: Thanks, Ken. I appreciate uh, I appreciate you appreciate you coming on board, Ken. Thanks so much for being part of it today. Uh, all right. We got one other call on hold who held on now. Let's get their name and figure out who they are so that when we return to radio, we can uh, start with them. So let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Michael,
1: this is Carlene in Kodiak.
2: Okay, Carlene. the
1: deferred maintenance.
2: All right. You hold the line, Carlene, and I will be right back to you. Don't go anywhere. Carlene's going to be first up in the queue. Let me go back over here um, and see a few things. Tom McKay says HB 49 and 50 don't require the state to build anything. And that's, uh, I mean, I was uh, on board with what Ken was saying about the deferred maintenance. And uh, I thought that was the case. Tom, thank you for clarifying that for me. Uh, It doesn't require us to build any infrastructure per se, especially the carbon offsets, because it's just forest, right? It's offset. It sets aside land that can't be developed or do things with. The sequestration uh, may require some infrastructure, but I don't think the state is going to be on the hook for some of that anyway. But I think Ken's points are still valid about the deferred maintenance. It is the evilest of evils. I mean, the thing is, is that it's insidious. You don't see it. You don't think about it. You know, it's, again, this real, um, uh, this real, uh, uh, you know, a kind of innocuous term of deferred maintenance. What does it mean? Most people don't understand it. I mean, and when you explain it to them, like I did yesterday, and I agree with Ken. If you didn't hear yesterday's show, you should go back and listen to it on the podcast because it was great. But if you – I explained it yesterday what deferred maintenance was specifically, and it is just – it is a bamboozling of the people, a bamboozling. And it's a misappropriation of funds, in my opinion. Um, there is a special place in hell. It's the 10th circle, not the 9th circle of hell. It's the 10th. They added one circle for the guy who thought up deferred maintenance, uh, and they put him in a leaky building with no heat and uh, rain coming through. Uh, for all eternity, I hope. I I hope <laughs> that would that would be my that would be my guess. All right, we're gonna jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Uh, like and share, like and follow. Um, let's let's. Yes, reason number five hundred one for duct tape to keep the head from exploding on the issue of deferred maintenance. You are hundred percent right, Herder. A hundred percent right. All right, here we go. Jumping back in. Uh, let's do it. The
0: Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we
2: were going down. Here's Michael Duke's. and the show. Not your daddy, nor do I play one on TV, although I am. a... Never mind. Uh, it is uh, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Daniel says in the chat room, deferred maintenance equals sanctioned negligence. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up right there. Carlene is down in Kodiak, and she wanted to comment on deferred maintenance. So let's see what she has to say. Phone lines are open at 907 433 3150 this morning. Good morning, Carlene.
1: Um, good morning, Michael. Thank you for taking my call. Um, a few weeks ago in the Kodiak Daily Mirror, they were talking about, well, this is in reference to deferred maintenance. They were talking about raising the BSA, and they were raising that to help fix leaky school roofs. And then I thought, wow, I wonder how much of that money per student goes to fixing leaky school roofs because we've got a a, our high school is new. You know, the the add-on to the high school, it it shouldn't need a new roof. So thank you, Michael.
2: Well, I think that they're, I think, uh, I think, Carleen, that they are probably mixing metaphors and mixing things up. Um, I don't know, and and we've got Kevin uh, McCabe and Tom McHare in the chat room right now, and I know Harold has got some background in this as well. He could tell us, but I don't think that the BSA deals specifically, and I don't know how much of that goes to school maintenance. Um, I mean, that's supposed to be for uh, for other things. But you're right. If if that's the case, if they've allowed the schools to degrade to the point to where they've got leaking roofs and other things, then that just shows you exactly how wrong-headed and um, dilatory uh, deferred maintenance is. I mean, it is, it is a pox on, you know, government spending and government facilities that they would take money that were supposed to go to maintain the facilities that we've already spent millions to create, and then they're using it for some other purpose, some other program, some other pet projects, something else, and then coming back to us later and then saying, oh, now we're in crisis. We've got a leaking roof. We need to bond for it. We need BSA money. We need more this. We need more that. The thing is, usually it's a bond. In Fairbanks, that's what it seemed to always be. There'd be some kind of problem, and they're like, oh, well, now we need to bond for it. So we're going to put all your properties up for up for collateral, and we're going to borrow $20 million to fix a problem that we should have taken care of already. That's that's 100% of the we're problem, not Carleen. Not it's not fair. Yeah. It's
1: not fair. It's yeah. Just,
2: You're 100% right, it's not fair. It's that, not it's just not right. It's not just fair, it's principally not right to do that.
1: Michael, a lot of our a lot of people over here have lost their wives, they've lost their husbands and now they're alone and you know they'll probably down the road need to give up the house, but we we these are the people that have worked hard all their lives and um that that just wouldn't be right to add that to them
2: No. I uh, I Thank agree. Thank you. Thank you, Carlene. Appreciate your call. Uh folks, if uh, you want to uh, sound off and give us your thoughts this morning 907-433-3150 is the phone line is the phone number and uh lines are open right now. We got all the lines open. So If you want to talk about (laughs) of the one day that I said I was already agitated, they brought up deferred maintenance. And I just I cannot tell you how much I despise the concept of deferred maintenance, because again, for those of you who missed it in the previous segment or missed it on yesterday's show, the deferred maintenance in this state, meaning Maintenance that should be done and should have been done; hence, it's been deferred. That that monies that were set aside to do those things. When you get a bill, you get a fiscal note with a bill. Uh, with whether it's an ordinance at us at a uh, assembly level, uh, or whether it's a, a an actual bill in the legislature, you should get a fiscal note. And the bill tells you, like you're building a facility, we're going to build a new. Who's he? What's it? We're going to build a new uh, uh, a new dog catcher facility. Right. We're going to uh, we're going to build a new dog pound and it's going to cost uh, the building is going to cost 15 million dollars. Well, that's obviously there in the fiscal note. But we also and this is something that I fought for. We're also getting an estimate now in many locales, including Fairbanks. Uh, we're now getting an estimate of what the outgoing costs, the, the years out, 10-year costs are going to be for maintaining that facility. Because a lot of times what they do, they're like, oh, it's $15 million for a dog pound. Okay, we'll make it. And then they're like, yeah, but what does it cost to heat? What does it cost to light? What does it cost to paint and to put the, you know, to maintain the roof and to put new carpets in occasionally and to do all these other things? What's it take to do? There's an outflow to that. And instead of using the monies wisely to maintain the facilities, they let the facilities deteriorate and they use the monies that should have gone to that to do some other kind of project. They reprioritize, they shuffle the deck, and they're, oh, we could put that off. We could put that off. That's why in Fairbanks, we forced the school district to create a maintenance fund so they could maintain their building. Oh, they were not happy about that. They were not happy about that at all. That we forced them to create a maintenance fund that they would pull monies out of to maintain the schools. But again, even it was, what was it, a year? Think it was a year or two years after i left um after i left uh fairbanks that uh, uh then mayor carl castle who was an assembly member with me at the same time came back and said because he knew this was a pet peeve of mine and he said well and they, and they came out and it 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 made headlines for a little bit and then it seems to have kind of gone back under the carpet now but that the city, excuse me, that the municipality of Fairbanks, the Fairbanks North Star Borough, I'm sorry, the, the, the borough itself, has a quarter of a billion, 280-something million dollars in deferred maintenance. Now, that number's five years old. Maybe they've taken care of it, uh, taken care of some of it. But it was over a quarter of a billion dollars in deferred maintenance on facilities. And they were going to have to close one of the pools. They were going to have to do all this other stuff because they hadn't done any work on any of them. Those monies had been spent on whatever they'd been spent on. How, as a homeowner, you, oh, never mind. I'm just not even going to get into it because it just pisses me off so much. That this is what's happening. That they have missed it's a misappropriation of funds. It really is. The public is trusting you to maintain the public facilities that they have paid for with their tax dollars. You know, many of them had bonded. We tore down in Fairbanks, we tore down a school. Excuse me. We tore down a school that we still had bonds on we were still paying on i think we still had 10 years left on the late on the last bond on that school because we were convinced that we wanted to build a new one right in its place so we tore one down and built a new one and we were still paying on bonds for a building that didn't even exist anymore for major improvements and upkeep on the old building New carpets and new electrical upgrades and things like that. Things that should have been done. Some of that's CapEx. Some of that is capital expenses. But a lot of it is maintenance that they just never followed through on. (laughs) Malfeasance. I think that's a good word. I really do. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. I can hear him banging around in the background there. Oh. are you with me, caller? Last chance. All right, we'll put him back on hold. We'll put him back on hold and maybe they'll stick with us during the break. We'll see, we'll see what happens. We got one final segment coming up. If you'd like to sound off on this or anything else, now's the time. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. I'd like to touch just a bit on HB61, which is the uh Which is the bill that prevents municipalities and other organizations from shutting down gun stores in the event of an emergency. And I'd like to talk a little bit. I'd like to talk a little bit about the Alaska Gun Rights Organization, which has been uh, spreading misinformation about a lot of it. So we'll talk about that. Uh, We'll talk about that as well. That's all coming up. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, uh, Free Thinking Radio. We'll return in a moment. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back with more in just a sec. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
0: Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: Okay, um, let's go over to the phones here and see if we can figure out if this caller is just Pranking me or just not listening. Let's see what's going on. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? I'm Lieutenant. Hello. Mm. Caller. That's me. All right. That's it. You're you're gone. You can call back if you can figure out how to use a telephone. Um, all right. Um let's uh let's let's go back over here. Uh let's see. Um, having adversarial points of viewpoints usually brings out the best solutions. I would agree with that. Terry says, "Did I miss the discussion on Eastman stabbing two a in the back?" No, we haven't had that conversation yet. We've teased it a couple times, um, and we'll see what's going on. Jen, if you want to, you're <clears throat> you're more up to speed on some of the things have been saying. If you want to call in in the next segment feel free to do so. I have a feeling we're going to take this on um I have a feeling we're going to take this on tomorrow um on Firearms Friday in a big way because this whole Alaska gun rights thing, the attacks that they've been making on conservative legislators is it's unconscionable. You know, to call themselves a gun rights organization and then to misrepresent everything that's going on in there just seems Insane. Uh, um. Let's see here. Jen says uh, Eastman has voted with the left all season. He's abusing groups to destroy good conservatives. Um. I'm I'm reading some of the comments here. Sorry if uh if I'm if I'm messing with you here, but I'm reading some of the comments to see what's going on. Um, yeah, Donna Gilbert used to rail against bonds. She debated Bill Burroughs on that topic because he was a big fan of bonds. <clears throat> yes, Bill Burrow was a big fan of bonds. And uh, one of the reasons why he was a big fan of bonds is because he owned an advertising agency that represented the school district, and he got lots of money when they were going against bonds because the school was allowed to... <clears throat> the school was allowed to uh put out advertising promoting the bonds which i think is a violation of apoc personally but i wouldn't have taken the money to do that but uh he loved that i mean he was he he was a, supported it anyway but he also made money on it so that's just one of those things <laughs> and she destroyed him in a couple of the debates on that kind of stuff oh man <clears throat> all right let's um we got another caller. Let's go over to the phones and see if we can figure out who's on the air and who's not. Good morning, who's this? Where are you calling from?
5: <clears throat> good morning, good people of Alaska.
2: Good morning. who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey
5: this is this is Mark. I'm calling from
2: Fairbanks. All right mark i'm gonna I, well wait don't 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 get ahead of me here, Mark. I'm gonna go ahead and put you on hold and then when we come back. Uh, on the air, you'll be the first one out of the gate. Okay, when we come back, so hold the line. I'll be right back to you, and we can uh, <clears throat> we can start the discussion fresh in two minutes and eight seconds. All right, so don't uh, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Um, Kevin McCabe says, "Oh, this is a novel." Covers half the screen. Cities and boroughs in the state of Alaska have the power, and some already have done, to enact laws to take certain actions during emergencies. During the lockdown, some did so with assemblies and council, including tribal village councils, very rapidly without public input. Think Berkowitz and Anchorage. HB 61 is virtually nothing more than an anti-discrimination law that says cities and villages, if you choose, if you close stores, you must not close a gun store unless you close every other single store, I think is what he's saying there. Because it cuts off at the end. But yes, that's what it is. That's what it is. Um, And I think part of the argument that I saw from the Alaska gun rights, well, then you're just giving them power to close down every store. No, that's not what it – oh, my God. They had the power to close down every store. Just couldn't discriminate against gun stores. But, you know, that – okay. Okay. Um. I'm sorry. I'm just looking. this <laughs> Oh, Lord. All right. <clears throat> Let's go back to it here. Um, amazingly, the legislature has no legal ability to control or direct where the two point seven billion dollar per year Alaska K-12 education spent. Yeah, that is kind of amazing. And, you know, what's really amazing, Tom, is that they also have not. um that they, they've eliminated that 70% rule where the 70% was supposed to go into the classrooms. 70% of the BSA was supposed to make it into the <laughs> classrooms. So now we're supporting overhead and administration and, and all this other kind of stuff. It's, it's crazy. Okay. Uh, Mark is in Fairbanks. We're going to talk with him here in just a hot second, and we're going to have one final Little doodad there. We're going to talk about stuff. Feel free to come on board and join us. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. final segment uh, here on the program we're continuing with your phone calls at 907-433-3150 uh mark is up in fairbanks and he has something to say so let's jump over to him first and see what's going on good morning mark what's on your mind
5: yes I have a lot of something to say michael um <laughs> anyways a couple of quick comments um about, about the, um, uh, the parental rights bill. That's what I was thinking. Sorry, I lost my tree. of thought, uh, we got a hold lot time. No problem. Anyways. Um, so of course, um, of course the, the parental rights thing is completely crazy as far as these people attacking parental rights. And of course, um, it just shows you what the downgrading of the, the educational system in this country has done for the past 50 years. And um, from the perspective of, of, I was just just a few days ago, I heard in the news they had a little thing in there, a blurb of how much um, the uh, the um, teachers in Alaska made. So this is a deal. They're in the top ten. They're like tenth for the highest paid teachers in the nation. And um, and so that's like is with something like seventy five thousand or seventy six thousand is the average pay, top ten in the nation, a year. So um, per per teacher. And then compared to the lower 48, so the average, so that was um, Alaska being the top 10, seated top 10 for highest paid teachers. So the average pay for the whole nation compared to the average, average pay in the lower 48 is like 64,000. And again, Alaska, it was $10,000 more <clears throat> what it turned out to be. So that's what our our good tax money, our money, our public money is going to to support the good liberal um, teachers that are trying to take our children away from us. So that's another aspect to think about. Well, right. But I mean, the, the other quick comments I want to make was just um, uh, that it's another prime example, this whole bill of how crazy people are against parental rights. It's another prime example that we are living in the last days. It says good will become... Evil and evil will become good. We're seeing it all over the place. It's a completely increased. It says that people become will become haters of everything good, everything holy, everything righteous. So my aspect is just to implore people to read the Bible for themselves, seek God of the Bible the Judeo-Christian God for themselves and let him prove it out to you that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Anyways, but that's my end of my comment. All right. Well, Thank you for the show. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Mark.
2: Appreciate you calling in and joining us today. Uh, I mean, we're definitely seeing a culture shift in America to where things that were unthinkable a hundred years ago are – uh, are commonplace. Uh, I would not disagree that uh, we've seen some things that I would consider to be, uh, if not wrongheaded, uh, or if not evil in some cases, at least wrongheaded, uh, become mainstream. and And there is some problems to that for sure. We all need to uh, we all need to make ourselves right, uh, one way or the other, with our creator and uh, and figure it out. But uh, I I agree uh, you know I agree with when I look at what's going on in the school systems and I look at what's happening and again I ask this myself the question why would anybody want to willingly and knowingly send their kids into this uh, into this uh, morass that is the public school system uh, Mark is right the numbers for the school district teachers are are pretty high as far as their pay but I'm not even arguing against that I think teachers should be paid well if you're going to send your kids to school and you believe in that then those teachers should get paid fairly well the problem is not the teachers themselves and and I think that's they've set us up in a lot of ways for this argument well you just don't like kids you just you just hate teachers you just hate no what I hate is bloated government and what we're seeing in the school systems these days is not uh, is not uh, the teacher's fault, per se. When we've got, uh, what was Sarah Montalbano was on, and we've got, in some school districts, we've got four or five, <laughs> we've got four administrators for every one teacher. Or we've got, uh, you know, we've got four administrators, even in some cases, four administrators for three teachers. You know, when I was growing up, and again, I know this was in the Dark Ages, Back in the 80s, when I was in high school, we had, I mean, there was probably 25 teachers. Well, there was only like five administrators for 25 teachers. There wasn't, you know, one administrator for every teacher. We've seen the administrative overhead in education circles spike completely out of control. And again, I was mentioning earlier, the BSA used to have a component of it that required that 70 percent of the monies end up in the classroom. And at some point they kind of voided that and they stopped it and they're not doing it anymore. And so now the BSA is no longer going directly into the classroom. Somebody made a comment earlier that said that the main problem in schools these days, as being reported by some teachers, is a lack of textbooks. We're spending $18,000 per student on school in schools, and you can't provide them with a textbook? That's a prioritization issue, right? That's just like the deferred maintenance issue. That's priorities. You are not prioritizing getting a student a textbook, yet you're spending $15,000, $16,000, dollars $18,000 per student on average? Does, does anybody else see a problem with that? If you're spending that much per student, how is it that they do not have a textbook? I mean, how is that even possible other than you've mismanaged the funds? Your priorities are all out of whack. I mean, that's right. That's how else could that be happening? When you are spending, we are spending more on school than most of the industrialized nations in the world. We're still, um, we're still, you know, in the middle tier across the nation. We're in the bottom uh, of the of the of the United States when it comes to math and reading and all this stuff. We're spending, you know, again, an average of you know 18000 dollars per student. And we don't have textbooks <laughs> What? How about we eliminate one administrator from each school and that gives us seventy, eighty thousand dollars to go buy the textbooks we need? Do you think you could do with one less, you know? That's insane. Absolutely insane. So, again, I don't think it's necessarily – I think teachers should make a good living, and I think they are. Um, I don't think it's top ten. I think it's top four, if I remember correctly. Reason Magazine had an article about this earlier this year that we discussed a little bit, uh, and maybe we'll <clears throat> come back to it. But I believe that Alaskan teachers are it's, – it's in the top four as far as uh, per – you know uh, as, as far as you know salaries and average salary types, but it doesn't matter. I'm not even concerned about that. I'm concerned about the bloated overhead of – I'm talking about the bloated overhead of the school system in general. The fact that they can't get enough – they can't afford – well, they can't afford enough textbooks. The fact that they're not buying enough textbooks, anecdotally, uh, from someone in the chat room, that they're not buying enough textbooks shows me that they have – a problem with their priorities. That's what's going on there. I mean, how many guidance counselors, principals, vice principals, administrative clerks, assistants, and but I mean, I remember when I, again, <clears throat> when I went to high school back in the Stone Age, 1983, right? When I went back to high school, Uh, There was a principal, there was a vice principal, I think they had one guidance counselor, they had two secretaries in the front office, and then they had uh, uh, one guy that dealt with like security and gym stuff and everything else, and then the rest of it was teachers, was instructors. What changed that we needed to bump up the administrative overhead on all this stuff? And there were a thousand students in that school. I mean, this was not a small high school, right? Maybe it was, maybe it was less than that, maybe it was eight hundred. It was a lot of students. It was the biggest it was the biggest school in the, in the city. Lathrop high school, by the way, for those of you who bored. I mean, <clears throat> what does it take to get it done? Yes, we should consolidate the school districts. We should consolidate the 53 separate districts, each one with their own overhead, their own administration, their own how many? We have 53 superintendents, 53 assistant superintendents, 53, you know, fill in the blank of whatever the, the, the position is in that administration. We got 53 of them across the state of Alaska. For one hundred and thirty five thousand students. Right? Hundred and forty thousand students. I mean, one portion of a district in California has a million kids in it. You can't consolidate that stuff down and save money on their health care, save money on the overhead, the redundant, the redundancy, and all that kind of stuff. Why does the Matsu Borough need four administrative assistant administrators, says Terry in the chat room? That's a good question. Why do you? You know, why do you need that? It has grown out of control. If you truly care about the education of your kids, you should be asking these questions. Why do we need so much administration and overhead, and why are the classrooms the ones that are suffering because of the lack of funds? And, of course, my main question is, why in the world Are you putting your kids in there to begin with Allowing them to be sacrificed On the altar of the culture war And everything else I, That's my question That's a big one for me Okay, well I worked through a little bit of my angst today I feel a little better I'm Still, Still, you know, not quite there yet But it'll be fine Uh, we are out of time tomorrow is another day it's Firearms Friday the Michael Duke show be kind love one another live well we'll see you tomorrow okay uh, you folks down on the peninsula down in the Soldotna Homer area I'm going to be down there today So if you want to get together, especially you Common Sense Corps members, if you want to stop and have coffee, drop me a message. And I'm going to see if I can break off some time this evening and maybe tomorrow for coffee and discussions in uh, Soldatna, Kenai, Soldatna and down in Homer. So I'm uh, going to be in Soldatna, Kenai today. I'll be in Homer tomorrow. Might be coming home tomorrow night. I might be driving back on Saturday. Haven't decided yet because I'm flying solo. We'll see what it is. All right, my friends. We are out of time. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Appreciate you guys. Be kind. Love one another. Be back with more tomorrow.